learn that death is not the end of the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back. Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter. Joe Avella, check us out on Instagram at New Flesh Podcast. Uh, that's the uh, name of the page. Duh. Are you okay? A, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I got something in my throat. And uh, this is a horror movie podcast about horror movies and all things tangentially related to the horror lifestyle. And today we've got the main event. We're going to talk about Jordan Peele's new Twilight Zone. He rebooted it. He's overseeing it. Two episodes are out right now that anyone can watch. I think a third will be out by the time that this episode airs. And we got a lot to talk about that. And, of course, uh, what did you watch, including I watched the Hulu surprise release, Mercy Black. Oh, and yeah. I, I don't know anything about that. And I also watched uh, the new Hulu Into the Dark, the April Fool's, the month of April, April Fool's, I believe it's called. I'm just fucking with you. Oh, is also, it, how did you know it was called that? Did the movie say it every 30 seconds? <laughs> I guess we'll find out later how yeah, the, we felt about that one. The titular line is said more than a few times. Yes. Um, and also we could talk a little bit about Joe Bob Briggs uh, resurfacing Q the Wing Serpent and Society for the most recent, what do you call it, drive-in Joe Bob drive Briggs. In, yeah. Yeah, I forget exactly um, what the show's called. And, of course, a million things happen in the world of horror, as it always does. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good. We're uh, recording a little early this week. It's like a Wednesday night. Just so you guys know, we're uh, we're gonna be behind an episode on Twilight Zone. I think the new one drops Friday, so you'll mm -hmm. have the chance to watch episode three. We're gonna be talking about uh, just the first two. Um, mm -hmm. I'm good. I'm trying to think of what my uh, week consisted of. Mostly just uh, you know, shit talking Pet Cemetery for the most part. Yeah, I listened to that episode. It was very good. Good call on having um, Randall on there. God, I mean, he could speak very passionately about his disappointment of that movie. Yeah, uh, it was nice to have. It was funny. I joked about how like we were, you know, three people who didn't like the movie, but we all had different backgrounds of experience with it. Like I'd seen mm. the movie but never read the book. Uh, <clears throat> Randall had read the book, and Emma mm -hmm. hadn't seen the movie at all ever. So it was had, like three. Had she read the book? She's reading it right now. Mm. so like yeah very diverse <laughs> perspectives Wild. Um, yeah i had a lot of fun on that episode uh much more fun than i did watching that fucking movie <laughs> but Yo. uh yeah uh not a lot going on i've got uh a, a fish related event this weekend um trey anastasio's new he's formed a new side project thing uh they're touring it around it's called ghosts of the forest there's a single out. Uh, it's it's great. the worst name I've ever heard. That's what uh, someone who does, that sounds like a made up band. It name. does sound like a made up band because it kind of is a made up band. It's him and John Fishman of Fish and some other people. Uh, I wasn't planning on going at all because I don't really care about Trey solo stuff at all. But mm -hmm. the, the the single dropped and I really liked it. And I was like, you know what? Once in a once in a lifetime chance to see this band that'll never exist again. So I'm going. It's uh. It's at some theater I've never heard of, too, in New York, uh, the United Palace Theater, which is all the way up uh, in Washington Heights, like 175. It's uh, up there. It's way the fuck up there. Um, but yeah, that's uh, what I'm looking forward to this weekend. Uh, what you got going on in your life? 
Oh, not much. Video stuff. Mo's out of town until um, next weekend, so pretty much just bumming around doing nothing, spending a lot of time just uh, getting high and watching movies. <clears throat> oh. The last weekend, I think it was Saturday, I really wanted to get like really stoned and watch something that is like really good, but I'd never seen it before, you know? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm always... Cause, Usually, I'm just getting burned out on watching bad movie stone because it just it, it wears thin pretty totally, fast. Totally, I agree with you. And for you this know, podcast, we end up you know sometimes we have to watch a lot of bad movies. Yeah, no kidding. I think I think I just watched a lot of like underwhelming stuff throughout the week. I'm like motherfucker, I want to watch something like really good, but also something I hadn't seen, so I can really like be enjoyed and surprised. What did you settle on? Now there's a caveat. This movie I had I had seen almost all of it in parts because it was always on like in the eighties, like in channel nine, but I hadn't watched it straight through. I watched the Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin movie, midnight run. Oh yeah. Dude. I I think I saw your tweet and then watched that clip and I was like, I've never seen this movie either, man. It's fucking incredible. It's the movie that Martin Bress made after he made Beverly Hills cop. Right. I've heard that. It has, it has like, it's like, Beverly Hills Cop like amped, amped up like the way that because after I saw it I was like oh my god like I didn't realize how amazing that movie was and like it ticks all the boxes of like amazing acting laugh out loud funny really great adventure and action sequences and like kind of moving in certain points and I'm like man why did I never so I was like reading reviews about it and like Siskel and Ebert loved it I think it came out in 88 they were it was, like one of the favorite movies of the year and I was just like reading like, all this trivia and stuff about it and, and the best description of it was adult planes trains and automobiles because it is pretty much like that we got to like go across the movie yeah 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 and they don't like each other but they're stuck with each other it's so like Joe Pantaleone and it is Joey so Pants fun. and Robert De Niro that's great it's fucking amazing. And also I, I, the actor John Ashton, he played one of the cops in Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop 2. He's in it and he plays like this bad guy or this like kind of rogue uh, bounty hunter named Marvin. F- fucking amazing character. Like I, like every time he's on screen, I'm laughing my ass off. But he also is like he's like the shark in Jaws. He just keeps showing up at the worst times. He's like, oh, fuck, not this guy. The movie's <laughs> incredible. Do and you then have- has a. Uh, do you have any it's other recommendations time. from uh, the late 80s? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for, uh, 48 Hours. Oh, I yeah, watched yeah, recently. Holy shit, that movie's like legit so good. It is great, yeah. Oh, and, and then after after uh, uh, Midnight Run, I watched uh, Black Rain, the Michael Douglas movie. Uh, that's not the one where it's like actually – Oh, that's, no, that's Hard Rain. I don't know yeah, what, no, I don't Rain know what Black Rain one. is. Mm. Really great movie. Ridley Scott directed it. I want to look it up because it's really a really bizarre Ridley Scott movie. It's a cop drama starring Michael Douglas. And the gist of it is, is that there's like a murder, like a Yakuza murder in New York. Of course, it's like a New York cop in the 80s. A Yakuza type hit. And he catches the guy and they got to take him back to it's either China or Japan. I can't I believe there's a Ridley movie I've never seen. This is incredible. Dude, it's wild. Then he goes there and then just gets like involved in like the crime syndicate in pretty sure it's Tokyo. Um, the only thing that's also kind of a bit laughable about this, I didn't really, it, this never made a connection with me until I saw this. And then a couple of days ago, and we'll get into some, what do you watch? I watched uh, basic instinct, man, for like a good decade, Michael Douglas was trying so hard to just be like the coolest movie star of all time. Cause this movie, uh, black rain, he's a New York city cop. First of all, you look at him, it's like, dude, you're like, you're like kind of old in this, but like every, scene and every line he's like saying a really cutting funny thing to like insult some like uptight 
you know, cop or something like that or some bad guy. It's like the whole movie is like, look how fucking cool Michael Douglas is. And it's, so it's like it's kind of funny for that reason. But besides that, like it's a Ridley Scott movie. It's really great. So definitely recommend a double feature of Black Rain and Midnight Run. Fuck yeah, dude. I would love to. I need to catch up on, you know, all the fucking movies I missed in mm-hmm. the in the 80s. And I, I, well, I don't know. I had a period where I watched like, you know, only movies from like the late 70s. I like love mm-hmm. all those like Easy Rider era stuff. I don't know. There's definitely some some gaps in the filmography. I got to got to fill them. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do because, uh, you know, like, I have all these streaming services. And then once you get kind of burned out on watching the new stuff that just came out, yeah, you, I'm sick I of that. I, I keep yeah. getting burned on new stuff, too. So I, I think like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start an initiative, at least a couple, you know, movies from a couple decades ago every week. Why not some classic horror that maybe you missed? Uh, let's not go too crazy. I already do enough <laughs> for this goddamn podcast. I want to watch some some esteemed, acclaimed films. See, I'm, oh, I'm being one of those. Me. I'm being one of yeah. those elitists who hates horror. That was a character. Yeah. It wasn't me. Um, I understand. Uh, what am I? What, what do we gotta do here? You want to go to the to the bits and the and the piece is absolutely. Um, uh, well, my cat's gonna jump. Okay, there. Okay. I did the the bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. That was like a very uh like jingle jingly one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start selling these jingles. I miss my <laughs> calling as a jingle writer. I feel like jingle. Is that writer. even a job? Do people even like for real do that? I just feel like I don't know. An ad agency was just like we need a stupid song for jingle this. Jingle writer just, like, is a character in a, in sitcoms and movies and not a real yeah. job. Is my is my prediction. Right, like a guy just sitting around just being like, oh, I got to come up with a new jingle for this toilet paper. What am I going to... Oh, man. Yeah, same deal with fortune teller writers. Those are just like algorithms at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what I figured. All right. What, uh, what what's some bits and pieces you got for me? Um, I guess I'll go from... Because we didn't do them last week. So mm-hmm. I guess I'll go as far back as I can and work our way forward. Um, so The Great. Conjuring 3 has a mm-hmm. release date now. Uh, CinemaCon was a couple weeks ago, which is like basically the movie industry's Comic-Con where they go and... It's basically the distributors and studios pitching their shit uh, to uh, media, people in the media so they can go r- write articles like this, like the one I'm about to read, which is just mm-hmm. telling us when it's coming out. And, of course, they hype up all the details, which I don't, you know, I don't want to know too much about this movie. But it's coming out September 11th, 2020. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, what are you going to do? Avoid that weekend? You got to just go for it. I love it. Yeah. Um, Michael Chavez will be handed the baton from James Wan to direct. Uh, Michael Chavez is behind uh, The Curse of La Llorona, which comes out next week, which we will have Mm -hmm. a review for because I'll definitely see it. Um, And I guess I'll tell Joe whether or not to see it. I'm sure it'll be bad based on what (laughs) I've heard. Um, Yeah, it looks really bad. But The Conjuring 3 is out, yeah, September 2020. And uh, we also have a release date for Annabelle Comes Home, which is June 28th, 2019. So we, we know the next two entries in the Conjuring franchise. We've got them mapped out, and uh, they're happening quickly. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Conjuring, is that like um, Insidious where like three is going to wrap up the story? I get those two confused. What happened in Conjuring 2? Conjuring well, 2 is the Enfield. Insidious, I guess, wrapped up the story by three, but they still did another one, you know? Um, I, don't, I don't know... What? It's the the Warrens is the Conjuring. Yeah, the, ones, the, right? the Conjuring is the Warrens, and the Annabelle movies are a prequel to them. And this Annabelle movie, based on what I've read, I haven't watched the trailer. I don't want to, and I haven't read very much. But I see mm-hmm. they're in the movie. Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson are in Annabelle Comes Home, and Annabelle Comes Home is the third Annabelle movie. 
and is a bridge from the Annabelle movie to the uh, Conjuring universe, I think it's supposed to be. Maybe it leads into the Conjuring 3. I'm pretty sure another Annabelle movie, maybe it was the le- doesn't creation lead into Conjuring 1 or 2? I think it's I don't two. remember. I don't remember either. I'm pretty sure Annabelle ends and like ties up with some like Yeah, creation context. goes into the goes into the the house to turn out like it was ne- it all happened next door to the house where uh, Annabelle starts. Right. Okay. So like this uh this one I think will further, you know, intertwine the movies. Uh so the duo will have a smaller role in the third Annabelle movie. They're returning and starring in the third Conjuring movie. And mm-hmm. what's what's her name? Vera Farmiga was just quoted as saying how big the movie is and how, you know, it's just like a appetizer in Annabelle and they're all preparing for this huge movie. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the, the Conjuring 3 will be about a man on trial for murder who claims he was possessed by a demon uh, mm. and uh, not sure if it's inspired on true events. It sounds kind of hokey. But uh, I'm just, I, I don't need a movie to be inspired on true events. I know the other ones claim to be, but they're all just, you know, famous urban legends, I would say. Um, yeah, or, or, yeah, or like ones where, like, or what do you call it? Like at least the Enfield Estate, the second, which was very good. I really enjoyed it. Yes. And it sounds like this one is, is like a, a true crime. Yeah, because true crime is all yeah. rage right now. Well, I mean, it's, it's not completely made up or, or it's, I guess it's something that was like well documented. And they also had like a supernatural element to it. Like the first one is fine, right? But wasn't that one like, I think this house is haunted. I thought the second one with the Enfield estate, they did a really good job of taking something that technically happened or was in the public eye and you, like using all the stuff that was public knowledge and also like weaving a story around it, which I I really like the second one. So I guess I'm a little more looking forward to the, to the third one of this than some of the other horror franchises. Yeah, I think these ones have been good, but this is also the first one without James Wan behind the camera in terms of the, yeah. at least in the conjuring, the Annabelle stuff has had different directors. I think David Sandberg did the last Annabelle creation uh, movie. And he was the guy who did lights out the short. And then he did the live action movie and it's the movie was horrible, but it made a lot of so money bad. and people liked it. Uh, he just directed Shazam. Which, wow. which I saw this week, and I'll talk about, I guess, for a little bit. Uh, yeah, but, I want to hear about that. Uh, bits and pieces. We got another one. We, uh, Tobin Bell and Adrian Barbeau are starring mm-hmm. in an adaptation of Stephen King's Grey Matter for the new Shudder Creepshow show. Cool. Yeah, sounds awesome. So yeah, uh, the Grey, I don't know if you've have you read Grey Matter, 1973 short story. I don't know. Which one is it? Uh, Doc and Chief, two old timers in a small dying town. Brave a storm to check on Richie, an alcoholic single father, after encountering his terrified son at the local convenience store. No, I have That's not. It's very vague, and I like that it's vague because I don't want to know mm-hmm. what happens. Um, but yeah, that is what it is. Haven't read it either. Uh, the six-episode season will feature segments based on stories by other award-winning and acclaimed horror writers, including you know Joe Hill doing "By the Silvery Waters of Lake Champlain." House uh, House of the Head will be done by Josh Mallerman from, of, of Bird Box. <laughs> the Companion mm. by Joe Lansdale of something called The Bottoms. The Man in the Suitcase by Christopher Buhlman of The Lesser Dead. All Hallows Eve by Bruce Jones of The Hitchhiker. Not sure which one. <laughs> Night of the Paw by John Esposito of The Walking Dead webisodes. And then we've got uh, <laughs> Bad Wolf Down by Rob Schraub of Monster House. And I believe... Okay. Uh, Mix, mixed like, bag. Yeah, Rob Schraub has like a... He's the NBC comedy guy, right? Yeah, he did Scud the Disposable Assassin. He did a lot of stuff on Community and the Sarah Silverman pro- pro- program. He's in Harmontown a lot. I mean, he's like he's directed tons of stuff and I'm in front of me, but I think he's most known from comedy. 
Right on. But he's just like really creative and clever and knows a lot about like animation. So and really into like all the geek stuff. So I think he's I think he's more than capable of doing a really good version of a of a Stephen King adaptation. Right on. Um, well, I don't know. He's just doing a creep show. Not sure which which one he's doing. Oh. Do you um, know? Uh, does it say when that comes out they're going to no, drop the whole it just series? Says, it just says later this year. There's not even a date yet. Doesn't say how they're going to release it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm. Sh- they might. I, I don't know. They might. Uh, they might binge it. I don't know. Uh, have you seen the the images that have come out from that, like of the creep guy? Yeah, I've just seen the one of the creep, the promo. It looks pretty cool. It looks good. I'm excited I for ho- it. Yeah, I hope that they. I hope that they just keep it the old school. You know, old school comic look. You know what? What I always really loved about that the first movie is all those like, you know, frames with like the crazy colors behind the head, and it's all done practical, like in camera on the set. You know, yeah. It just had this like. I mean, nothing else looks like Creep Show, and it was just so well done, and by filmmakers who, who like get it, who get it, like the, the style and the tone was dialed in for everyone. That's why it's so great. That's why the other ones I did not care for just felt a little like like running on fumes. I didn't care for number two. Um, so I really hope that they keep that kind of that vibe and that inventiveness to to this one. I really hope they don't try and like we're going to do it more modern because that's really just going to be a bummer. Yeah, I hope I agree. I hope it's like decidedly old school not like nostalgically annoying or anything just like mm-hmm. just old old-fashioned sense of sensibilities i guess um, you think you think shutter would give them the the the, the, yeah. the freedom to do that right? i'm sure they i'm sure it's i'm sure it's they're you know they're taking good care of it i i really do trust shutter at this point they're doing a great job with joe bob riggs i gotta say man like i like i look forward to it now like i cannot wait to get home on friday to just to start watching it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's cool. It's, yeah, it's appointment great. television. I love it. Uh, yeah. James, this is the quick burn that James Gunn produced. Uh, Brightburn movie has been officially rated R, which is awesome mm-hmm. for horror, violence, bloody images. Um, Walking Dead news. There's another Walking Dead spinoff coming. Uh, AMC. What did we say? What did we say years ago? Like when we first started doing the pod. And Fear the Walking Dead, or Fear of the Walking Dead, I forget what it's called, came out. And we like placed bets on how many Walking Dead properties will be out at once until they start canceling them. I think I said five. Well, Do you remember? Okay. I, don't, I, I don't remember what number you said. I remember having that conversation. And I'm um, counting the movie. I'm counting the movie as, as something. So with this and the movie, if we have one more, ooh, baby. Uh, yeah, nothing's been canceled yet, as far as I know. Um, I can't believe that. I cannot believe, dude. You know, I figured we I talked about this ex- last go ahead. last week or when we talked about this, but the only time I know in Walking Dead anything's going on is that it'll be trending on Twitter. It's always trending on Twitter. I'm like, what? How, enough people are watching this fucking show to where it trends let on Twitter? Ex- That's really yes, weird. Let me explain to you why. Uh, oh, go ahead. Even with the lowest rated finale to date, The Walking Dead remains the highest rated series in cable. Can wow. You, so Sunday night's episode had a uh, uh, pulled in five million viewers total. Uh, mm-hmm. Previously, the lowest rated finale was the first season, which was only which was six million people. Uh, mm. For a closer comparison, season season eight's finale was seven point nine million viewers. Uh, they have a context breakdown episode by episode. The whole season season nine just went down and down. It went from six to five. But what's another what's four. what's another cable show that like give me like perspective like it does better than South Park? Not sure about South Park, but um, there's we we just pulled up a chart here from AMC and like Walking Dead is number one for AMC Network. Fear the Walking Dead is two, and then it's like a 
huge drop and then better call Saul uh with yeah like and also 1. breaking bad breaking bad which was a huge hit uh, the season five got a 4.3 million viewers yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> walking dead has always been far and above everybody else like that's all i remember about it like wow. when, it, when it premiered season like yeah i think it flew really high for like the first four or five and then as before it started declining it was just rising, it's crazy rising. that it's still like still doing way better than everything i would have thought like oh the ratings probably i mean they are ha- horrible like, i mean comparably to the, to itself yes they are horrible but like compared yeah. to the rest of tv it's just not it's different it's it's very strange who knew? Yeah. All right. Well, I, I all right. Walking Dead is still a thing. So, all right. Well, the, the, so they got another one. The another one is the, the third series will feature two young female protagonists and focus on the first generation to come of age in the apocalypse as we know it. So, yeah, all right. Yeah. Some will become heroes. Some will become villains. In the end, all of them will be changed forever, grown up and cemented in their identities, both good and bad. It sounds like they're trying to be like a more of a. I don't know. The show's already very mellow, fucking dramatic. So I this don't. One probably they're aiming for uh, the youngsters. Yeah, I don't know. Good luck. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess if your show, I mean, it's a, it's a tough thing because their show is getting worse and worse ratings. Yet it's still far and above everything else on TV. So like, why not try to stir the pot and get more mm-hmm. going? I understand. Just do more. Yeah. I all right. Uh, what, uh, else? what else? Joker trailer dropped. You want to talk about the Joker trailer? Oh yeah, uh, the Joker trailer dropped. Todd Phillips's Joker, executive uh-huh. produced, I believe, by Martin Scorsese. Um, the trailer features definitely a nod to the King of Comedy. It features, I, I mean, I don't know. If, it just has a taxi driver vibe. I don't know if it has like a. It just has a look of taxi. I don't know. The Joker trailer, uh, clearly not a superhero movie. It's a crime movie. It's a character study of a of a fucked up guy who has to take care of his mom and is a stand up comic. It looks like, and Ugh. I don't know. It's a it's a baffling. It the, aesthetically, I like the. I think it looks cool. Like the mm-hmm. I think it, the look of it is 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 impressive. I just and I I love the idea of Joaquin Phoenix as a Joker, but I just yeah. can't get super excited. I, I just don't know. I, I hate it. I I think it looks really bad. I feel that this movie. I mean, talk about the most like obnoxiously melodramatic plot about like you, you see the memes going around. So I'll I'll, I'll uh, <clears throat> paraphrase the memes. It's like you know back in the '80s, want to turn Joker to a monster, throw him in a vat of acid. Today, want to turn him to a monster, throw him in society. And that's pretty much what it is. This movie's gonna Whoa, be the new. Dude. This movie, mark my words, this movie is the new Boondock Saints. And about four years from now, the poster's going to be up in every dipshit's dorm room, and every bro's going to be like, bro, Joker, best movie ever. Isn't it crazy? Like, people are going to think they're so smart and so forward-thinking for, like, liking this movie. It's a new bro movie. I, I just watching the trailer, I'm like, oh, my God. The insufferable douchebags who are going to think this is a good movie. It's I'm already fearing it coming out. Like, it looks so stupid. I will never see this movie. Oh, wow. I'm absolutely going to see it. I think it I, – I think – if you, if they're gonna make this movie, you know it, it exists. So like, I'm gonna see it, <laughs> and I think you know with those parameters, I think it looks like I'm 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 more excited to see it than I was before the trailer came out. If that makes sense. Oh, I'm less like, excited. I, it looks so stupid. I don't watch. I mean, I watch teasers. I don't really. I don't think this. You know, it's not like this ruined any shot anything for me. Um, I I I think you know it has the potential to be very bad and very convoluted and embarrassing, but it also 
could be a good movie in its own right, and I always I'm rooting for it. But I don't I don't know I don't trust the guy who whose last few projects are what Hangover three and two, and Due Date. Um, yeah, it's I don't next. know, I don't know. Um, uh, what the movie that we love on the show that we were waiting to do an episode on until it was available in America will soon be available in America. Mm-hmm. One one cut of the dead is coming to Shutter. So great. Yeah, Shutter, Perfect. Shutter acquired the rights to, uh, in North America. Uh, the company said that it had also launched rights to the film for Australia and New Zealand, where it plans to launch later this year. So there's no release date yet. And I this article is informing me that there's an English language remake already in the works. All right. I'm down with that. Also, I want to point out another amazing thing about this movie is it was made for an American money, $25,000. And to date, it's grossed uh, $27 million, $30 million worldwide. Yeah. And that's without like a U.S. release. Uh, yeah, it hasn't been released yet. And like already like, but there's a thousand percent return. It's yeah, so great. It's crazy. It's um, so great. It's movie, such a fun movie. Yeah. It's, I love it. I'm so happy for the success of it. It's well deserved. Everything about it was just so fantastic. I'm stoked to do like it. Since it's kind of go, it's it's coming to shutter. We don't know exactly when. Um, when it does, we'll like do a uh, maybe like a deeper dive on it. Maybe have a Jason Garacio call because there was a huge debacle with um, with Amazon Prime. Someone pirating and putting it on there. It's really yes. fucking irritating. And it, like, especially, it actually when, you, especially screw- when you see the movie, yeah. it's it's like it's almost like you feel like your friends got ripped off. You're like, oh motherfucker. Yeah, like these nice people. They're they're yeah. Movie, yeah. Uh, the movie is great. I will say, like, I think I said it on the podcast before. Just that it's a movie that sets itself up to fail. I I, I genuinely think that. Like, I was so like hands arms crossed. Like, how are they going to get themselves out of this after starting the movie a certain way and then just mm-hmm. like keeping the movie going. Uh, and they pull it off in in such a brilliant, so brilliant, satisfying. It's so satisfying. It's so satisfying. It's, it's so, so well done. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So ve- looking forward to that. Get Shutter by then if you don't um, have it already. Uh, Stephen King is writing a small screen adaptation, which means TV for those of you not paying attention, uh, of sure. something Just called. Keep, keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, Lizzie's story, Lisey's story. Uh, it's called. It's a book from 2006, mm-hmm. um, and Stephen King himself is writing every episode of the adaptation. This uh, book totally slipped past me. I've never heard of this or seen the cover of this. It sounds very interesting. Uh, he's his response. Two years ago, Stephen King was asked which of his stories he'd most like to see an adaptation of, and he said, "Lizzie's story is my favorite of the books, and I would love to see that done, especially now that there's a kind of openness on the streaming services on TV and even the cable networks." Lo mm-hmm. and behold. Apple has given him an eight episode straight to series order for that show. Beautiful. And he's writing all eight episodes. So it's not going to be some shit adaptation like something that's in theaters now. Um, well, hang on a second there. I want to step in and say that although, yes. It's cool that he's he, writing it. Yes, I know he has. Uh, a history. I got two words for you Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> yeah. Him being at the head of it does not necessarily well, make he's a good, not, a good he's thing. He's not directing it. That's good. <laughs> that's um, true. Bruce Springsteen doesn't want to be in this movie, so he's already kind of checked out for this show. <laughs> Julianne Moore <laughs> is attached to this mm-hmm. show. Uh, the series is described as a deeply personal thriller that follows Julianne Moore two years following the death of her husband. The series explores a series of events that cause her to begin facing amazing realities about her husband and that she had repressed and forgotten. Um, produced by J.J. Abrams, just like the Castle Rock thing, which is horrible. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Hulu's, uh, Castle Rock is bad. Uh, I think this will be better just because 
I have more faith in the material, I guess. And Castle Rock's kind of like an amalgam of King stuff and is like original. The idea is that it's originally conceived and it's not an adaptation. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why it doesn't work for me, but I don't know. It doesn't work. Mm. What else do okay. we have here? Oh. Uh, Netflix is uh, sticking it to Spielberg by possibly buying the uh, historic Egyptian theater. Yeah, I saw that. So I'm of two minds on that. A lot of film Twitter, I feel like, was up in arms, really mad that Netflix is going to buy this historic theater in Los Angeles and then, you know, ruin it and maybe not have 35 millimeter film and just people already assuming they're not going to care. But there's also that the same contingent of film Twitter bitches about the fact that Netflix doesn't screen their movies theatrically and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. to me, this could be, you know, a halfway point there and maybe... They hopefully they care about film and are keeping the theater, you know, in tip top shape and and with the cool exhibitions that it has. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, they also now have a place to play their shit in, at least in L.A., where if people want to watch the movie in theaters, they have the option to. And I think that's a great thing. And if that were to become a nation, if you know, if they bought theaters in every city, like, I think that's a cool thing. But then what are they doing? Then they're just like a theatrical, then they're just like an AMC. Like, I guess. I mean, the fact that just like they have a movie coming out on whatever and the same day they can have it, they can afford to have it do a theater on the weekend and who kind of who gives a shit if, if people come that, or that not. That allows right? them, you know, Oscar qualifying runs and whatnot, mm-hmm. probably. So like it, I, it, hope they, I hope they call it the, uh, uh, the, they change it to like the Steven Spielberg Netflix theater or something like that. <laughs> Like just really, a just a stick it to him. Yeah. <laughs> Very rude. But uh, did we talk? Did we talk last week about how his whole Hemin and Han about this whole Netflix movies can't be nominated for Oscars, and then like two days later he's up on stage at the Apple event, getting his own Apple show or Apple well, deal. Yeah, we all, we knew about the amazing stories was coming to Apple. So Spielberg's comments, kind of, the the hypocrisy isn't what it is here. I don't think, and let me explain why. Um, mm. So here's what he said. He said, once you commit to a television format, you're a TV movie. You certainly, if it's a good show, deserve an Emmy, but not an Oscar. I don't believe films that are just given token qualifications in a couple of theaters for less than a week should qualify for the Academy Award nomination. Now, I don't agree with this at all. I think that's elitist and bullshit. And yes, it sucks mm-hmm. that he said that. But uh, it's it's like an unfair thing to criticize him for going to Apple because what he's doing at Apple is literally TV. Like and he's for making, now he's making TV at Apple, so like he's yeah, not being so hypocritical, what? but well, he, I think his comments it, still it, suck. Is his show eligible for an uh, whatever an Emmy? Well, yeah, that's what he said. He said if he, he basically said the same thing. He said if it's a good show, deserves an Emmy, not an Oscar. So like, yeah, it would be, I guess, eligible for an Emmy technically. I, I don't know how. Yeah, Netflix stuff is hypocritical. Netflix stuff gets uh, Emmy nominations, I think. Well, I got I got an article here that counters that. It's actually a picture of Grandpa Simpson waving his fist, and the headline <laughs> reads, "Old man yells a cloud." Oh, good. That's what good. I think. That's what I think of when uh, Spielberg's up there. It's just so sad to you know because it's so easy to like look at like the the 70s when guys like him and and all the other oh, like yeah, it's titans very of the for other we're reasons. so yeah. we're so like forward thinking and exciting and just all about doing great things and now they're all just these fucking old cranks who can't just stop complaining at everything and complaining like i don't like this new stuff it's like fuck you dude it's just like people are just doing the same shit you were doing 40 years ago it's like whatever it takes yeah, to get the, the story the tools, out the like, tools are different man like yeah, that's just the way like, things are now 
get with it ramps like shit changed yeah anyway anyways anyways uh this news is cool and kind of relevant to creativity uh sony's uh screen gems you know the they're a banner horror banner they put out a lot of movies uh don't breathe is most notably one of them Sure. Uh, the Ghosts of Mars, Mothman prophecies, Underworld. Ghosts of Mars. Yeah, dude, they have a lot. Of, they had a lot of. They they were huge in like the two thousands. I feel like all the Resident Evil movies. They were uh, Hostel, Boogeyman, which was terrible. The Cave, which was terrible. When a Stranger Calls, which was terrible. The Covenant, which was terrible. Sorry. These guys uh, have a lot of hits. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway. But yeah, Sony Pictures Screen Gems. They're creating a the, something called the Screen Gems Horror Lab. A partnership between Sony's genre label and production company Ground Control. Uh, Ground Control is currently in search of a new battery of diverse filmmakers from around the world with strong original horror concepts. The program allows, uh, or the program aims to collaborate with burgeoning filmmakers to produce horror shorts and the primary goal of developing new original content into feature films. It's an initiative that will focus on the development uh, and production of horror genre proof of concepts. Uh, That's a cool thing. Uh, I think Sony's uh, Screen Gems is basically everyone is trying to do their in-house Blumhouse. They're trying to yeah. have, uh, they're trying to figure out a way to make cheap horror because that's what the market wants. And mm-hmm. um, Blumhouse has really cornered that market. And Screen Gems definitely fell off. I mean, Don't Breathe was really good, I, uh, a good horror movie. Uh, they did oh, Vacancy is a good one. They have a lot of good stuff uh, mixed in with the garbage. But uh, I mean, this is another opportunity for. You know, listeners of this podcast, horror fans are able like all, all these new things that are happening that allow people to get their shit out there in the in the, particularly in the horror uh, field is really great. Like what, what did we detail last year? Was it was it hmm. Blumhouse itself that was doing that like retreat thing? No, Shudder. Shudder. Yeah, Shudder. Shudder's fucking great. It's like, yeah, there's all these initiatives going on that if you're a budding or aspiring horror filmmaker, you have no excuse, man, or lady. You know what they're doing? They're closing the gap. It was just for too many years recently. It was a lot of like only things that are getting made are super low budget for people do themselves or like, you know, superhero tent poles. There's no there's no room for like the mid there's people like there's no room for like the mid budget whatever. $30 million movie, not 30, I don't know. Maybe it was like a $5 million movie. People were just complaining about that. And luckily, thanks to Blumhouse. Yeah. Opportunities are coming out. The only issue I kind of have, I don't say I have an issue with it is that like, it takes a lot more than just like a budget and like, you know, a, 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 a um, digital distribution platform to like make good stuff. I mean, Blumhouse has amazingly talented people, not just making movies, but also like in the production aspect, knowing what stories to pick and how to how to market them. This kind of just reminds me a lot of like, I don't know if they're still doing this, but like good like five, six years ago, every uh what is a channel that even like remotely wanted to do comedy was like throwing like a few thousand dollars at any sketch comedy group to be like, hey, make some stuff for a YouTube channel, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And, they, and it's like all the stuff that was made was garbage. It's not just a matter of like finding new talent and giving them a little bit of money. Like there's more to it than that. Shutter's going to always knocks out of the park because I think Shutter and Blumhouse are the only two places where like top horror talent actually want to go. I mean, Screen Gems, I'm sure they can hire some decent people there, but like, no one who's actually good think, like wants to work right, there, I you think, know? And, yeah, totally. And I think they're trying to change their image to be like, hey, yeah. we're we're looking for for you guys, like the new oh, the new voices. I hope that's. But what I want to yeah. point out. But I want to point out. I guess the point I was making is that like, the catch twenty two of all like back when like 
Comedy Central was trying to get web series made. And I did a thing with IFC was like, and this is something that Henry Blodgett of Business Insider pointed out. He was like, the reason that none of those places work, he was more talking about news places, but this I think applies to most companies. Like reason it doesn't work is that like, if you have a magazine or a TV channel or, you know, or a newspaper, you want your top talent on that. So when other media companies, and in this case, we can also do like uh, film studios, whenever they do this lip service of like, we're going to get like up and coming talent and give them a modest budget. The problem is if they find really good talent, they're going to go, we need to give this person a hundred million dollars. We need to push their thing up to like, you know, a bigger budget thing because they want to make money on it. Right. So by default, the only things that survive on these mid-level things is stuff that kind of sucks. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess like in my way, like the only reason I see like Blumhouse was succeeding is like Blumhouse didn't have anything except like Blumhouse understands like the importance of having great stuff at every level where most studios are still like, well, holy shit, if, if this, if this, director if she comes in with an amazing script why do it for five million just do it for 50 for 150 you know if, if there's that option so i'm a bit skeptical like you know shutter doesn't do shutter's got shutter the best talent goes on shutter they're not worried about you know what i mean so yeah i'm a little skeptical that this will yield good stuff but yeah well, like we'll, you said, yeah, I mean, we'll see yeah i guess yeah, we'll see we'll just have to wait and see mm-hmm. uh i got a few more emma stone and, and ray fines uh, signed on for Alexander Payne's next movie, which is a horror comedy called mm. The Menu. Um, or it's, he's just directing it. He didn't write it. Uh, the film, penned by Will Tracy and Seth Reese, focuses on a young couple who visits an exclusive destination restaurant on a remote island where the acclaimed chef has prepared a lavish tasting menu, along with some shocking surprise. Let me guess. People's on the menu. It's people. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Um, Alexander Payne doing something horror adjacent is interesting to me. Very. Uh, I'm intrigued. Let's see what that is. Uh, what else? Yeah, we'll say though. I mean, you didn't care for downsizing. I never saw it, right? Oh God, I I literally completely blocked it out of my memory. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it was c- confounding is is a word I will use for it. Uh, I he think was I- on he, he was on a roll. I mean, almost everything that he had done since Citizen Ruth was like the best thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. I mean, election about Schmidt, sideways descendants, Nebraska, God, Nebraska, dude, that movie fucking wrecked me. It was so good. It is. They're all nowhere. Really he comes up with downsizing. Well, I mean, what does he, does he ever, I mean, he may be a deaf screenplays, but it's rarely his thing, right? Yeah. I don't think he's, I, I, I can't think of him. Does he, does he write, he writes all this stuff, right? I think he works on the screenplay. I'm downsizing was written by him. Descendant yeah, I'm pretty sure he's written everything he's done. And this looks like the first time he's directing something that he didn't write. No, 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 no. But they're all based usually based on novels. Mm. Yeah, but still, he's not he's not writing uh, the menu. He's just directing it, which is notable right. for his career, I think. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Did you know that he wrote um, Jurassic Park 3? Uh, no, I did not. Is that real? I don't know. Could be. He could have done like re- he could have done like rewrites and shit on it. Wow. Yeah, I feel he's like he's one feel... of three writers listed on it. I bet he did punch up on that. Yeah, I feel like at his at his level in that in that movie, I, I would be wouldn't be surprised if like a hundred really great uncredited writers worked on that. I mean, the movie just felt. Dude, like I just found it out got around. because my buddy had to cancel on a show. Uh, uh-huh. He he told me he's like, oh, I'm going to the to the Hellboy premiere, and I was like, why? He's like, oh, I did punch up on it, and mm-hmm. that that's when I knew that movie was going to be a shit show because they had very recent uh com- comedian. Cuz your friend is not No, no, no. He's a he's a great uh he's a 
uh-huh. credited good con- he writes on uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna out him but he you know it was more that the movie in its very like he said it was recent that they asked for you know a punch up yeah, they already right? shot think, it right yeah so and this movie had everything like, he's writing is like yeah dude someone like from abr the other, someone from the other- Someone yeah. in the room's like, hey, I just farted. Yeah, it's like definitely like a last minute hack job. And based on oh, the reviews, yeah. which dropped literally an hour ago, it's exactly what it sounds like. Everyone says it's a conf- like just a mess. Like, why did they make this movie after denying Guillermo the chance to do a third one for the franchise that everyone actually really likes? And they oh, made this wow. horrible remake. Um, I'm, I was looking forward to it slightly because it's R-rated and could be fun. But the reviews say it's just a total fucking drag. But... You know me. I'll probably see it this weekend and come back with a report next week. Yeah, of course. What okay, else have, have fun. we got? Um, quick, something called Chambers, uh, a, a show on Netflix starring Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. It's a horror show. A trailer just came out. Uh, she, Uma Thurman plays Nancy, the mother of a heart donor who forges a mm. hesitant relationship with the young recipient only to find out her daughter may not be as dead as she thought. Cool premise. Not watching the trailer. I'm going to watch that, that show. Yeah, I watched the trailer. It looks really good. Does it? Yeah, I think it looks very good. Okay. I'm very excited for it. Hour-long um, supernatural drama, so it's not half hour, and it starts uh, April 26th. Uh, American Horror Story is coming back uh, for season nine, and it's called American Horror Story 1984. And based it looks, on, go ahead. Yeah, it looks all right. Like it looks like they're just they're making it look exactly like an 80s slasher movie. So, yeah, my biggest my biggest problem with these movies is they all looked fucking ridiculous. Which is like the I, show. I thought it was a. Yeah. The design was just over stylized. So I just couldn't like. It just My made problem me dizzy. with the show uh, from the seasons I've seen is that it truly feels like the writers' room like throws a bunch of horror cliches into a blender and then like blends it up and they just write it. Like, but with this, yeah, it seems like they're going straight up. We're, like it just One feels like genre, they're yeah. already basing it on a genre that has its own cliches in it. To where like going into it's being like, well, of course there's going to be you know. Teenagers in the Maybe woods having I'll sex. Give it a shot. Axe murderer. I'll check it out. Yeah, I know. I, feel like, you I know, feel like every season I go, okay, this is the one, and then halfway through the pilot or the first season premiere, I'm like, fuck this. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone back in a while. Someone told me the the found footage one was good. Uh, I, I don't want a found footage one. There's a found footage one. I think it's the year before the election one, or maybe the year mm. after the election one. I don't know. Uh, one more bit. Robert mm-hmm. England. Uh, A.K.A. Freddy Krueger's uh, will host Travel Channel's spooky new series, Shadows of History. Uh, in each episode, Robert England will track down the story behind a bizarre or mysterious account printed in an American newspaper in the past. He will enlist historians and scholars to get the truth behind the reports. How do you make fascinating and petrifying stories even more scary? Add the genius of Robert England, said Travel Channel's GM. As if tales of flying monsters, zombie cannibals, and ghost ships were not enough. We are cranking up the volume for maximum impact, and our fans are going to go nuts for this legendary actor. Uh, so basically, frightening, odd, and creepy stories from America's past. Um, mm. You know, it sounds like a History Channel type. Could be like ancient aliens-y thing. I don't know. But if it really is true stories like that are printed in newspapers, uh, and they do a good job of... I don't know. I just am skeptical of any reality-based TV thing. But if it's if it's a good examination of the actual stories behind the things i'm I, i'm intrigued by that yeah interesting and hey you know Eng- our, our boy rob's got to eat yeah ain't, so ain't you know let him, at him let him have a job all right and uh with that let's go to uh a three a two a one what did you watch 
Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> what, did, what did you watch, man? I'll go to the first one. I'll talk about Mercy Black. This was a, quote, surprise Blumhouse uh, horror film that they bought. Uh, I think I think they just like bought and turned it around and threw it on Netflix. I was excited about this because I am a casual acquaintance of the writer and director Owen Egerton. Um, I knew that he had written a, and directed another horror movie called Blood Feast, which I have not seen. It actually came out last year. The remake uh, of Blood Feast? I don't know. It says Blood. Oh, Blood Fest. Excuse me. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's got good um, reviews. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, we met at South by Southwest. It had to be 10 years at, at this point and, uh, chatted for a little bit. And he was doing this thing where any filmmaker who got in got to do like a, uh, a session where they got to kind of sit and meet with people who, uh, are filmmakers kind of like a one-on-one for like 10, 15, I think it was close to 10 minutes. I got to sit and talk with Ty West, oh, uh, cool. which was very cool. He, Ty West, I think he had just done, I know he'd done the roost. And he was slated to do, or Cabin Fever 2 had not come out yet, and I think he was already trying to distance himself from it. Yeah, Alan um, Smithy, that shit, son. Yeah, it was definitely before I saw The Devil, which or is probably House good. Cause I, yeah. yeah, House of the Devil, excuse me, because I would have fucking geeked out in front of him. But yeah. Ty was nice and chatted with him. And to be honest, I, they were like, oh, you get to talk to two different people. And I was like, all right, just give me someone else. And it turned out to be just picked a random. It was Owen. He gave me wonderful advice for writing and, and uh he is an author uh, as well as a filmmaker, so chat with him. I thought it was really great and got me some really good advice. I was working on a screenplay at the time, and we became friends on Facebook. And I really have not had any much face-to-face communication with him, nor have I talked to him uh, recently in the past few years. But I don't know. You know, Sometimes he likes my posts. Sometimes I like his. Anyway, uh, so I was very pleased when I was like, holy shit, this dude that I know got his horror movie that was bought and now distributed by – Blumhouse called Mercy Black. I will give you the summary real quick. Uh-huh. 15 years after stabbing a classmate to conjure an imaginary phantom known as Mercy Black, Marina oh, Hess is coming home. It's Slenderman. Yeah, sort of. Uh, she's been released from psychiatric care to live with her sister and young nephew. But in the years since the crime, the myth of Mercy Black has gone viral, inspiring internet rumors, stories, and even copycat crimes. Marina's haunted by what she has done and the phantom still imagined. Uh, I don't keep reading this thing, but yeah, like, yeah, that's kids, uh, that's 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 like this. Because yeah, it's it like these kids. They yeah. did something. It kind of like keeps flashing back, but doesn't give you the full story. These kids did something to that's where they life, had to go. That's to. a true life murder. You know about that, I'm sure, right? The Slenderman. Yeah, yeah. But this one, this one, the kids made it up, or they made up the Mercy Black character. Mm. And then now she gets out, and it kind of jumps back and forth. So you're not exactly sure what happened. You just know she was in a, in a mental institution for like 10, 15 years. You know. And she comes back to the town and everyone's kind of like walking in eggshells around her and she doesn't really and, and other people are like, yo, so was it real? Like what happened? And and kind of bugging her. And now that she's back, crazy shit's kind of happening again. Uh, I will say that unfortunately this movie's not very good. Yeah, or that should... seems to be the consensus. A lot I just looked it up and everyone just says, yeah, yeah it's better than the Slender Man movie that came out last year, sure. but it's still yeah. just like not great. Yeah, it's flat. Like it's not bad, like bad acting or stupid story it's just like it was very by the numbers i was not surprised by anything there's one or two twists that when they happen i was just like oh okay that person's actually the other person or or, or something like that oh, you know great yeah um yeah no big scares no compelling anything yeah really by the numbers so it's kind of bummed i was thinking like oh man i should like uh, call him and see if he wants to come on the show or and you're like oh <laughs> boy no. never mind 
Yeah, no, yeah. So hey, I mean, he made a movie. I mean, he also lives in Austin, which I think is also yeah, commendable that's cool. that the guy, you know, still lives out in Texas, and this clearly takes place in rural Texas. So good on him. No diss. Making a movie is very hard. I made yeah, one it's once. On Netflix. It stinks. Good for him. Yeah, and hey, Blumhouse got the nod, so there's only going to be good things for his career. So, but uh, me personally, I did not care for it. All right. Um, I got a few. If you do, you have any more? Uh, let me take a look at my list real quick. Obviously, I talked about how I watched a Midnight Run and, and got a little t- yes. teary-eyed. So everyone watch Midnight Run if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, see it again. Uh, also, I mentioned I watched Basic Instinct. Just It's the most fucking ridiculous movie. It's on Shudder, and it was the first time that I watched it not as a horny teenager. So I was like, actually, I'm going to actually pay attention to this movie. It is fucking hey, – Paul Verhoeven, what, the guy's a fucking maniac. Like his movies are all like – Give me fucking bread. You know what? The best way I could describe a movie like Basic Instinct or Verhoeven movies, his non-giant bug alien movies, is he's like De Palma, but like without all the De Palma-ness, you know? Like take a Brian De Palma movie and take out all the stuff that like makes a Brian De Palma film and you have a Paul Verhoeven film. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's a good, uh, that's apt. Uh, Cue the Winged Serpent is on uh shutter for uh joe bob briggs's the last drive-in great fucking movie i gotta watch that larry cohen documentary they did it to yeah, dedicate it cohen. to larry cohen just passed away well passed away like a couple months ago yeah, a couple and weeks, uh weeks ago i thought or was recently. it a couple weeks ago yeah, it was recently yeah recently but definitely this year um and what it, what i loved about q the winged serpent and i recommend everyone go check it out is it is what like indie low budget 70s filmmaking should be it is just it's an entertaining movie what makes it double entertaining is you can just feel like you know every scene was shot like on the sly you know joe bob briggs was telling the story about how something larry Cohen was supposed to shoot fell through but he had some money still so he went to the chrysler building and for whatever reason they were like, okay, you can shoot here, but you can only shoot like at the very top and only for like a couple days. So then he like wrote the script around the fact and only go up there like a couple days. And when he did shoot there, he did take like dozens of people up there, even though they didn't know. And even though he was only supposed to shoot all the way upstairs, like he shot some stuff in the lobby just because like he knew the people who worked there didn't know any better. So he, he just like kind of like eked it out, man, got everything he could out of like any favor he could get from someone or anything the city would let him do. So the movie just has this like energy to it where you just like, yeah, like it's just, it's just fun. Like for all of its flaws, it's incredibly charming and and just well done and ridiculous for all the reasons those ridiculous movies are ridiculous. But yeah, Q, Q, it's called Q, but also Q, Q, Q the wing. Q colon the wing serpent is its title. Yeah. And then you and said we'll talk, the other one was Society. Did you watch Society? I haven't seen I that in a long time. I didn't watch it because, to be honest, like I kind of don't like Society. I think it's like a little ridiculous. Yeah, and, it's not great. I don't. I just he just a couple and he didn't really share anything insightful personally for me, so I kind of tuned out. But uh, we'll talk about the we'll talk about the Blumhouse Hulu thing in a minute, and we'll talk about Twilight Zone in a minute, and then also non horror. I finally watched the Seth Rogen movie Observe and Report. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's like it's really so fucked up and dark and yeah, the darkest like, wow, realist shit. Like, yeah. I can't believe that movie got made. I know. You know, it's, all the elements of it just seem like so, it's so like just it's dep- not what I was expecting. It's depraved, but like Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Like all of Jody Hill's movies have this quality to them, but like that one's like it's turned up to 11 or something. Like yeah, and it's also it's it's interesting to see that movie cuz you, you can see that that's the movie where Seth Rogen pretty much was like all right, I got to like I got to like uh, focus on my career because I mean this, this came out when he was just on fire and he's like missed, 
he's miscast and his character is like so like wrong for him but in this movie oddly works because it's about a guy who's just out of step with the entire world so it has this really weird feel of like yeah seth rogan's doing a really good job of being this guy who's kind of like out of step but also seth rogan playing this character is actually kind of out of step i don't want to say he's doing a danny mcbride impression but you're like clearly this is supposed to be danny mcbride just the way he kind of talks and yeah it's very I, well bizarre. everyone in every jody hill movie i feel like is written for danny mcbride yeah. um that movie is one of those movies it's definitely a cult classic already like it, it didn't yeah. it didn't resonate at all when it came out i loved it a lot of critics were you know uh, saying it was good but it wasn't until like mm, seven eight years later that people were like man that movie's fucking amazing yeah like, amazing is a bit it's, of a it's stre- just it's just it's amazing it's amazing that it got made is what yeah i agree with what you yeah said there. it's not it's nothing like punch drunk love but it has the same feeling of like huh this got made yeah, it's it has good elements and good performances, but you're just like, man, like, was not expecting this from anyone involved in this. The funniest part of that movie, though, is all the stuff with the Zizanzari, the guy who like works at the cell phone kiosk or whatever kiosk he oh, works yeah, at. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's an extended scene where he's like, "Fuck you, no fuck you, no fuck, fuck you, you, no you, fuck yeah. you," and then just gets a poet like, "Fuck you, no fuck you," and then like just like mouthing like, "Fuck you," and it's like just close up and not even saying it, just whispering, "Fuck." It goes you. on for an insane amount. It goes of time. on. Yeah, yeah it goes on. <laughs> surprisingly, it's like really funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth a One of those things that stops watch. being funny and then gets around to being funny yes, again. Exactly. Like that bit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it has like it has like a lot of like really good comic misfires of like you almost you almost go like I know where this is going and that takes like a left and then it gets like turn. really violent. I remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, like really real. Like it goes from being like he's ridiculous. To, like then someone gets shot for real and like bleeding everywhere. And you're like <laughs> holy fuck. Oh, and I also watched date no game night. Oh, it's hilarious. Dude, it's really funny. I know that year for, for, it, or studio, that was last for a year. studio for studio comedy and studio comedy is always just they never resonate with me because yeah. they're just so like they're watered flat. down. Yeah, uh, this movie's got some really good laughs. It's really, really good. We- it's games. really well directed too. Like just yes. like yeah. Wait, who directed it? Uh, the guy. They did Vacation. It's the kid. It's the kid from Freaks and Geeks. Uh, yes. The little yes, weird yes, yes, kid. Yes, yes. Whatever yeah, his yeah, name I know, but I guess he John was Francis kind of Daly the, is that his name? The only one that's not famous. Yeah, <laughs> but he, yeah, yeah. He also did Tag, which I didn't see. It didn't look that. But did he do Tag? Uh, tag maybe sucks. I don't think he did Tag. But maybe. Um, Game Night is really funny. Yeah, it's on HBO. I've been watching yeah, it a couple HBO. times too. Yeah, Recom- definitely recommend Game Night. Although, yes, it is not a horror movie, but yeah, uh, Game Night's good. great and Blockers is great. It came out a few months later. Another good yes, studio comedy. Blockers is surprisingly good, dude. I, maybe it's just some, I don't know. Am I getting older? Or no, you're not. No, no, no. Good. Everyone wrote that article last summer. That was why are all these studio comedies good again? Do you think? Cause think like the Punch Up sessions are just insane. Uh, I don't know. I think I just think those movies both. You know what? Blockers is a funny story. I probably told this on the podcast. Blockers was when I was interning at Lionsgate or a good universe, so subsidiary of Lionsgate, which made Blockers. Um, God, what year summer was that? That had to be 2000 and uh, God, 11. When I was there, mm-hmm. uh, one of my first jobs as an intern was to read the script called at the time Cherries and read it for uh, the purpose of renaming it. Because they hated the name and it was inappropriate because the, the, the cherries in the title refers to pe- women, girls popping their cherries. And the, uh, lo and behold, that story, that, that movie was is Blockers, uh, which is a terrible title still, but better than cherries. And in the movie, 
it's supposed to in the context of the movie and all the the, the marketing had to say blockers the real title is supposed to be cock blockers is the yeah idea. there's a cock there's an outline of a cock next to blockers yeah just... so that movie has a strange history with its title and i i love that at one point in time my job was to try and find a title for that movie and i do not remember what we came up with but none of them were blockers i guarantee you but uh, um, great movie. oh um so two things since we're talking about john francis daly i've noticed that I was looking at IMDb, and I don't know. These two things say announced, so I don't know if these are being made or just announced that they exist. He has writing credits for Mask. Remember Mask was a G.I. Joe ripoff uh, cartoon and toys, M-A-S-K, Mobile Armored Strike Command with a K. Remember Mask? I don't, but that's amazing. Dude, Mask was dope. I was huge in a mask when I was a kid. They, like the, the conceit of it was is it was like Transformers meets G.I. Joe's where all their stuff – it didn't transfer like they weren't like robots, but it's like a guy would have like a cool sports car and they like flips a switch and his sports car turns into like a tank or like a one guy had a motorcycle that turned into a mini helicopter. And they had this mobile base that looked like a gas station next to a mountain, but really like the mountain would open up and it was like where they all like hung out and like launched their helicopters out of anyway, mass was cool. I'm assuming it's going to be animated and he's writing it. Also, did you know that he, maybe I didn't realize this. Did you send me the script for $40,000 man? No. Have you read Forty Thousand Dollar Man? No. Holy shit, dude! This script is so funny. A friend, then I think my buddy Tim sent it to me a while ago. It was one of these scripts that was like blacklist type thing. Yeah, Yeah. no, not blacklist. One of these scripts that's like he sent me a couple where he's like these scripts are famous for being super funny and super well written, but quote will never get made. Hmm. And there's another one called Balls Out. I don't know if you've ever heard of that script. But but this one, Forty Thousand Dollar Man. I'll try not to ruin it real quick. It is a comedy. So obviously people are aware of the, I think it was like the $4 million man or the million dollar man, $6 million million man. Well, it's a joke where this guy, this astronaut gets fucked up and then, but they only put $40,000 into him to like as a test. So he's like this weird, like kind (laughs) of like, like terrible robot. You okay? Yeah, I'm laughing at that bit. That's funny. Yeah, it's it's really funny. It's almost like this terrible robot, and then it's this whole convoluted thing of why he has to go and save some people and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, it says it's announced. I think they're going to make it. The script is so goddamn funny. If you get a chance to get the $40,000 man script, if it's the same thing, it was fucking like laugh out loud good. So I'm stoked wow. that's going to be a movie. I hope they don't yeah. rewrite and ruin it. That's what probably hope, will happen. Yeah, hope not, because I mean, like, I don't know about you, but like, when I've read scripts, even though they're funny, I'm like, oh, that's funny. But it's one of the few where I was like laughing reading it. Yeah, it's hard to read comedies. I actually started. I did a couple. Of, I still freelance on occasion and do them, uh, read mm-hmm. them for UTA. And I just read one that I guess I shouldn't say what it is, but uh, it's a. It was a comedy, and it's really tough to read a comedy, even when they they give you who's the the casting on there. And it's like, okay, read it as this person. It's like, okay, well, th- you better hope they do good improv because this script sucks. You know, that's just how it feels like a lot of the time. Yeah, and also, and, the, and that's funny you mention that because this is a reason why I always felt like I didn't like studio comedies. And Mo and I made this because Mo writes too. And we both kind of noticed this. But this was year, I forgot when, we made, when she made this observation. But she's like, you know what I like about studio comedies? Like, they're written funny. And I didn't mean like because they're fu- like well written like funny. funny. Yeah, I, I get it. Every every dialogue thing is like a smart ass comment. Yeah. But in the re- when it's a movie, you're just like, oh god, everyone's not fucking. It's great. Talking like yeah. an asshole. Yeah. But hey, the game that bring it around game night. Game night is just like it, it moves. It's a very compellingly. Yes. It's a very engaging movie. Um, I think I said when I saw it that it should be taught in like script writing class because like it's very by the book. 
uh, mm-hmm. but not in a way that's bad. It's like it's, it's not like predictable. It at ticks all. every box you need to tick. Like it, it teases its finale early on. Like every every shot uh, reference in the beginning is like called back later. Like everything. It's an is ensemble, just, dude. If you think yeah. about it, it's an ensemble of four couples. Yeah. It's like, right. It's like eight people. That's like maybe that's more. A lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, plus other people. There's like a lot of people to like to uh to stay on top of. But like everyone has like a satisfying. Everyone's great in that movie. Wrap up of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really like game that night. Movie. Peep it. All right, what have you seen? Oh man, I saw a lot. I'll be quick though. Um, Why? I don't know. Just because I don't. Not a lot of it's horror. Uh, I saw <laughs> Harmony Corinne's The Beach Bum, Matthew McConaughey. Ah, oh, uh, that looks that looks insufferable. It, buddy. It was. I hated it. Uh, I'm not a big Harmony Corinne fan. Uh, I mean, I like, you know, the best thing he's ever done is kids, and he didn't direct that. <laughs> he wrote it. Yeah, Larry Clark did, right? Larry Clark did. So Harmony Corinne's uh, directorial de- uh, career has not been for me. But And like Spring Breakers? I, sp- no, I don't like Spring Breakers. I like Spring Breakers only in that I enjoy that the marketing for it trolled everyone. Because mm. most people thought they were getting some, like, teeny bopper mtv movie and they got like a fucking weird harmony corinne movie not that it's yeah. good or anyone deserves to watch that movie but um <laughs> and also uh, got uh, it also got james franco and everyone sued by riffraff that's right uh well beach bum is uh, it would be fun to watch you'd think because it's matthew mcconaughey essentially playing like you want to say a version of himself just like you remember that one time didn't he get arrested for being like on drugs and playing bongos he smokes a lot of weed. He was in his apartment blasting, or his house, because yeah. he's a millionaire, blasting music with the doors open, naked, playing bongos. Yeah, amazing. So this movie kind of feels like that being adapted into a movie. <laughs> um, it's about a homeless guy, or actually, it's about a well-off man who basically acts like he's homeless because that's just the way he is. And then, like when he when he loses his fortune, it's kind of just like his misadventures trying to prove himself in order to get the money back. He has to like basically get a. Uh, he's a, a Bru- this is the plot for Brewster's Millions, like reverse. Uh, kind of. Trading, uh, he's trading a... place. No, I'm saying trading places. Wasn't that it? Like we're gonna take. I mean, Bruce one is... of our spoiled rich persons and make, or or yeah, like or. Was, it's kind uh, of both. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's that, and he, his character's name is Moon Dog, and he's a writer who's like supposed to be this brilliant poet, but he hasn't written in a long time. So like, uh, in order to get the money to his estate, that's his belongs to his wife who's dead <laughs> he has to it's like almost billy madison-esque where like he's like well you got to do these things or else you won't get your money anymore oh, so then God. he um and then it's just a series of misadventures but the, the movie you know if you ever seen a harmony corinne movie if you ever seen one you know they're not like typical narrative there is no narrative it's didn't just he like, do gummo yeah he did do gummo oh that movie's fucking brutal dude. i know they're all are they're all so different brutal. degrees of brutal uh to watch <laughs> and this one I want to. I wanted to have fun with it. I was so like willing to laugh with it and add it, but it's just so. It's the longest like hundred minutes. I think it's ninety minutes, hundred minutes. It so feels so long. It's just him walking around and allegedly being saying funny things, but like none of it was funny. Um, there's one amazing sequence in the whole movie, and that's when Martin Lawrence shows up. Yes, Martin Lawrence who hasn't been in okay. anything in forever. Good. Uh, he has a great, great sequence. Uh, the rest of the movie I could do without. I don't get it. I don't like it. It's not funny. Don't see it. Um, I watched uh, Darren Lynn Bowsman, you know, the guy who's famous for the Saw, doing the Saw sequels. I think he wrote and directed or 
the two through four or five or something. Uh, and then he did like <laughs> who Re- can even remember tell Darren Lynn Bowsman? He did like Repo no. the Genetic Opera. You don't remember that? No, I never. I never saw it. Uh, okay, well he has a new movie. But called... I did see every Saw movie, and if he made those, he's not a he's definitely not a, <laughs> not a fan. Grayson. Oh, he, no. I, I, my favorite movie of his, and like maybe the only one I like besides a couple of the Saw sequels that I used to like. Uh, he did a remake of that movie Mother's Day. Remember that? Did you see that? Uh, what it's happens? It's like a home invasion that? movie where like it's a home invasion movie. Huh? This mom shows Who's up. Who's in it? Uh, the the remake has like it's Rebecca De Mornay as a star, and Jamie King is in it. Deborah Ann Wall, oh. Frank Grillo. You should watch. It's, it's like a suspense. It's a suspense movie. Oh, it's a horror movie. Yeah, it's a, yeah. You should watch Mother's Day. Uh, the remake. Mother's Day. Oh, goodness. Never There's an original. It. Um, it's ridiculous for me to say watch the remake because I haven't even. Se- I don't remember the original, but I enjoyed the the Darren Lynn Bosman 2010 movie. Um, anyway, he has a new movie called Saint Agatha. It's about a woman, a con woman, who's pregnant, goes to like stay in a convent. Uh, to like hide from her boyfriend, she's like, or she's oh, she's on the run for some reason. It's like 1950s Georgia, and she basically goes to stay in some convent or I guess whatever you call a nunnery with a bunch of nuns, and they're the nuns are evil. Sorry, spoiler alert. It's a yeah. very fucking boring movie. Nothing happens. Uh, it has no budget, so uh, so it's not very interesting. There's a couple moments of inspired gore. But beyond that, fuck that movie. Not worth your time. Uh, I saw Alex Ross Perry's new movie, Indie Darling, Alex Ross Perry. Um, Her Smell, which stars Elizabeth Moss, is like a punk rocker. It's like mm. a two-hour, 20-minute movie, total total uh, performance piece, character uh, study type movie um, uh, of this woman. Totally, total like batshit turned up to 11, uncomfortable performance from Elizabeth Moss. Really great. Um, yeah, she's great. I feel like most people, a lot of people wouldn't be able to sit through this movie. It's very off-putting. It's just kind of like stressful situations happening and a woman yelling a bunch and watching someone's life spiral. But it is, out of all of his movies, I don't know if you've seen a lot of his stuff. Like he did Queen of Earth, uh, Listen Up, Philip, The Color Wheel. Um, I don't think I've seen any of his I'm looking at his thing right now. I don't think I've seen like any of He's just like a very movies. New York indie guy. Um, but this is definitely his best movie. I have seen. I've seen, I think, all of them. Uh, this is my favorite of his. His movies are usually feature really bad people doing bad things and like there's no redeeming qualities or like no redemption mm. at all with the characters. This movie at least tries to be hopeful and it's mm. like a new step for him, I thought, and I was really almost moved by the end. I really liked it. Uh, keep a lookout for that if you're into indie films. Uh, and I, I love s- Elizabeth Moss. I just think she's so great. I hate, hate, hate that she's a Scientologist because I really like her too. That's whatever. I don't want to hang out with her. I just want to watch her on screen. <laughs> She's a care. great performer. Yeah. Um, so is Tom Cruise, and so is Beck. Big deal. Beck. Oh, I forgot about Beck. Woof. Yeah, I know. Um, Shazam. I saw Shazam. DC's. Uh, okay. Very light, fun superhero movie. That now is... before you get into this, yeah. I just want to. There was a thing that came out. And actually, Bi did a insider did a video, which of course I did not watch about the whole deal with Shazam and Captain Marvel. Ugh. Can you sum it up no, for us? Did I you can't. figure it out? Okay. <laughs> there's a there's a. I'm glad Insider did a video. There's also a very long uh, Polygon article that was very well written that I started mm-hmm. to read about it. Basically, they're all knockoff comics, and the properties all changed at some point. Um, anyway, Shazam is yeah some based on some DC property. It's basically a the movie's kind of like big in, in which like a kid just becomes yeah. yeah, the kid becomes a superhero. Be, uh, it has some the movie's mythology is actually like 
interesting, I thought. Like, it's very, you know, it has, like, that kids' movie feel of, like, just, like, I don't know how to describe it. Just, like, a dark, disembodied voice over the speakers a lot of the time. Just, like, being, like, evil. Uh, these evil spirits. Oh, God, I'm doing a horrible job of describing this movie. Well, quick question. Well, let me ask you some questions. Okay, yeah. so you're talking about, like, big. Is it a thing where, like, he does something where a kid can go to being adult Shazam and back to a kid, or is he stuck as an adult Shazam He can go Shazam back. It takes, it takes him a while to learn that in the movie, that he can go right. back. Like, there's a whole scene where he's stuck, and it's really funny. Um, but, yeah. Is he, mo- su- is he surprised by his adult penis? Uh, there is not a penis joke. There are other surprising Really? Jokes. Don't you think if you were... Because how old is the kid before he becomes Shazam? 15. Uh, okay, I guess it's just got his already. man hog. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, there's a big difference between your 15 year old dick and like your 30 year old dick. Yeah, right? I, I mean, too honestly was expecting that one scene where he like looks and goes, oh, "Nice," but they didn't do it. And props to them for not doing it. But, what do you mean, props? That, that's like the most, that's like the most realest <laughs> shit ever. It's like even like right? Doesn't he do that in Big as well when he kind of gets out in the underwear and he kind of like looks down? He's like, "Whoa!" Of course. I mean, yeah. They don't have to do a whole. They don't have to do a whole. How big is my Whoa-oh. dick? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like I don't want to do like a, sh- a, a scene where he's like, "Oh, I want to stick my giant." Uh, not giant, but like my adult penis and things. He can just be like, "Yikes! Look at this thing." That's what I, I think. He would probably. I don't know. I'd uh, like to so see this a, movie. A more he, Shazam. He dick. gets his superpowers. There's some like wizards that run the world. There's only one left, and this one wizard has been summoning people to his realm to f- try and find a worthy successor. Okay. I'm struggling to pay attention to this. Oh no, it's wizards I, that run the, the world. The Ugh. way it, the way it presents itself is interesting. It's like just like real world, real world. Then someone is plucked out of it, and they're in this like like temple type place, and the guy's like, "Listen, I'm testing your ability. Like, you need to." If you're pure like, of heart, like the last you will be. Yeah, it's like you have to be the person. And basically, the kid who get, ends up getting the power is not the person who deserves it. It's just like, yo, the bad guys are on the loose, and I'm about to die, so I'm giving you the power. So this kid gets powers, um, and he has to learn how to use them. It, it's it's basically it's a cute, fun kids movie. It's definitely a kids movie, but it's so tonally inconsistent because it's like very silly and kids movie esque, and then it will be like incredibly dark like tonally and then just scary like it's definitely it's just like I, I it doesn't really know who it's for it has a pretty boring villain played by a great actor mark strong is the villain and he just uh-huh. doesn't have much to do um i i so like it's fun enough and it's like I, i'm just happy that dc movies are like fun because like they were so gritty and dark and foreboding for a while and now like aquaman was a fucking blast and this was at you know better than their past shit so it's fun. Mm-hmm. I can. I just just barely recommend seeing it. Like it's not my favorite. I won't watch it again. It has a f- bunch of a, a few really good jokes, but for the most part, is kind of flat. What's um, his superpowers? He has like lightning fingers. He can fly. Super hyper speed. Can jump. He's just basically like a very. It's super very Superman. A lot of jokes about how he's very Superman esque. Mm. Um. Yeah. It, it was fine. Uh, Zachary Levi's fun in the lead. Uh, and the movie, what else did I want to say about it? I wrote something else in my review that I wanted to say. Oh yeah. The, the villains are a really great idea. Like the villains are the embodiment of the seven deadly sins, Mm. but they just become CGI monsters and like there's, it's totally wasted. Like the thematic use of that is just not in there at all. It's just, we have this great premise and it's like, all right, now go get them CGI monsters. And it's like, none of the sins have anything to do with you know what they do to people it's just like was totally wasted so that pissed me off um 
And I saw one of the best movies of the year this week that you're going to see this week, I think, and we'll talk about eventually. I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil it. I saw Claire Denis' first uh, f- English-language movie. She's a French filmmaker of note, did, as horror fans would know, Trouble Every Day, a landmark uh, vampire movie, art house film. Uh, and she's done just tons of art house French stuff. She did a, a sci-fi movie for A24. It stars mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson. And Juliette Binoche and Andre Benjamin. Oh, sorry. I don't think it was for A24. I think they bought it. But anyway, uh, great cast. Uh, Andre 3000's in it. Love that. Uh, It's a sci-fi movie. I don't want to say anything about it, really. What what does the trailer give away? Because I didn't watch it. They're in space, and I think they're all like... Do you know why they're in space? Work. What? Do you know why they're in space? I don't think they say. I don't think they say. I'm not going to say anything. It's very, like, just long, like, the the shots of them kind of, like, on what appears to be a space station. and. Dude, you have no idea what you're in for, unless you've read about it. But uh, No, I haven't. Okay, you should just go blind and see it. Bring Mo. Oh, Mo's not around. Just go see it, man. It is is worth talking about. I want to talk about it with you. So we'll talk about that next week. If not, the main event will be a part of it. Um, And uh, I guess we'll talk about the Hulu Blumhouse thing. Okay. It's called I'm Just Fucking With You. Uh, uh, it starts... It, it's immediate, I would, I'm going to say this one is immediately insufferable. It yeah. starts with a guy... I want to say aggressively insufferable. Driving it- to a hotel, but he's like, is he is he texting and driving or is he... I forget how the texting is implemented, but I feel like it's a guy like doing tweets, like harassment tweets to a person on Twitter... And then, like, going on Yelp and leaving bad reviews. It's just, like, we meet this guy who's clearly, like, an online troll who yeah. just, like, is, and like... He's, and he's, but he's specifically targeting what seems to be a certain group of people or a thing, uh, like, an event. Like, just being, like, yeah, your marriage, is, like, your marriage isn't going to last. You look like shit. Everyone's ugly. Fuck you, you idiots. And just... And he has, like, this handle i forgot what it was but it's the same thing yeah it's, it's not it's, then they just go into this montage of him like first of all it's like he's meeting his sister at some some motel in the outskirts of town she's on her way over there and then it just cuts this montage of, of him like the the screen of him just like with the um username on like every social media platform just, or something it's yeah just just saying really shitty stuff about everything and really just going after um everyone oh boy okay so this movie i mean I don't even know if I can say this is the worst one because at this point it's just like they, they're all different degrees of terrible. This one, including. To where I've I'm been just nice like, to a couple of them, but they're they're most they're they're getting on my fucking nerves. Yeah, the, 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 this one was like, it, it's bad, you know. And you you had said before, oh, they, I'm just fucking. Did they say the movie? And of course, the, the one of the main characters um, says it nonstop. I was going to, I forgot if I texted you this or not, but I was going to say that while watching the movie, because it's like, oh, it's the April Fool's movie, the joking, the, you know, this movie's right. going to be, was, I don't know when it finally got like violent or the, or the, uh, or the, the, that revealed itself. But up until that point, I had this notion, I was like, oh my God, is this movie not going to be a horror movie? And like, it's going to be like an April Fool's joke on us. Like, surprise, this isn't a horror movie. Kind of similar to there is a horror movie called April Fool's Day that don't see it. It's terrible. It's from the 80s. The only thing that's notable about it is that Biff from Back to the Future's in it, Tom Wilson. <laughs> but the movie su- really sucks because it's like this seemingly by the numbers slasher movie. And then the reveal at the end is they were all in on it. They were playing a joke on on the one person. So after watching the slasher movie, like surprise, none of us are dead. It was all special effects. We're hey, fine. Fuck you. That sucks. That's is that the stupidest? It's so fucking bad. It's Don't insulting. It. Yeah, I hate that. When this happened, I'm like, oh my god, is this gonna be like one of these movies where it's like built as a horror movie? Because 
I, I didn't count, but it felt like there was 30 misfires of the guy walks in and it's like, oh my God, like, where is everybody? And then, oh, there's some people. Okay, it's fine. And they start talking to the guy and the guy like gets really like shitty with him and he goes, I'm just fucking with you. It's fine. And then nothing happens and it seems like he's about to like hurt him. He's like, no, I'm just fucking with you. It's fine. If they keep doing that, I'm just fucking with you in one way or another or like, oh my God, something's outside his door. Who is it? And they open the door. Oh, it's just that guy. Never mind. And I'm like, oh, they do this. 30 times to when he finally does stab. I forget exactly how he finally does stab or you reveal there's like a dead body somewhere. Doesn't he it's kill like, that? Fuck. Doesn't he kill his friend, that biker guy? Like hit him in the eye mm-hmm. with something? I think the guy, yeah, but I don't think, is that the first one? I don't even remember. It's so goddamn bad, guys. These have gotten so bad. They're just unwatchable. And I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I'm confounded on what exactly happened with Blumhouse in this one. What the deal? This feels like a dumping ground. I, I'm, did they just be like, let's make movies for as cheap as possible and just dump yes. them on here? And I think that is true. But I the don't quality think, of them are so bad. It's like I don't think they've been dumped. I don't think they were like made and dumped because they they're like quickly making them. Like the the next few haven't yeah. been made yet. Like, they're very quickly turning them around, which I think is part of why they're terrible. They seem like they have, like, you know, a 30-day turnaround. They're, they're, they basically have the same production schedule that my friend who was working on a Lifetime movie had. Like, just, like, mm. this whole thing is wrapped in 30 days from, like, start to, like, end. And, like, I feel like that is probably why they're not that good. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I wonder if they are going through their their archives of scripts and just look for, you know, look for keywords of anything that could like fit the themes of the month and just reach out to the filmmaker and like, Hey, I know we passed on your thing three years ago, but if you can make this thing like you're, you're, you're that one thing you had about the motel where the guy's always like playing practical. Could you just make it a little more practical jokey? We'll, we'll make it for Hulu. And well, you bet Blumhouse, you know what I mean? Like it just, just feels so grating. And like the whole look of the movie is just neon. Like that movie, like me yeah. looked, I thought did that, but really well. And if you remember yeah. that movie and this one did this, like it tried to have that neon aesthetic, but it just looked like, like, I don't know. It looks obnoxious. It just, yeah, it, it, it pissed me off. This movie, I don't so, know. Maybe these movies just annoy a, it, me. It's aggressively bad. Uh, there's only one female in it. His sister, she shows up and then does that really irritating thing where she's just like, what's happening? What's going on? Like, and then, the, and then I don't know, like for whatever reason, the brother and sister, so he feels the need to save, you know, it's so, and then the main character, like you hate the main character, the main character, the not fake, the guy who's the fake TJ Miller. No, no, no. The, the, the troll guy. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I hate the bad guy, but at least. An argument can be made like, why make him likable? He's a killer. Spoiler alert, he is actually a killer. But the main character, when you reveal like this guy's this horrible, awful troll, and to reveal it, the wedding that they're going to, it turns out that it's his ex-girlfriend who's marrying his cousin. So it's like, and he's just been trolling the whole wedding thing, the whole wedding Facebook thing, all the pictures of like, oh, look at the dress. It's going to be such a beautiful day. And he's just trolls. He's like, it looks like shit. You're ugly. Oh, God, give it three, give it two months or whatever. So right away, you're like, well, I hate this guy. Right. And then the movie, the movie wants you to like enjoy his comeuppance. Like the, I think one of the biggest parts of the movie, probably like third act is, is when like, I think the killer guy makes him like explain that he was the, the hack, uh, the troll on camera Mm -hmm. to everyone online. So like it's it's like you know the movie's like a parable about a 
troll being trolled, I guess. You know what? But you know like, what's reminiscent of that. <laughs> yeah, dude, because you don't like it. It's reminiscent of Knock Knock. Remember that terrible movie with the two girls who are like making Keanu Reeves. Yeah, life you hated that, and I them. thought it was fun but stupid. But remember at the end, it's like you know they all like get him to admit you know he cheated on, and they like, she buries him up to his head, and like Facebook lives him confessing, and then like yeah. they they walk away holding hands to the Pixies. Where's my mind? And it's like, wait, am I supposed to be like? applauding these girls for like torturing this guy he just I hated everyone and this is the same thing like at the end am i supposed to be like ha- i mean I'm, I'm glad he got his comeuppance but i also hated the killer like yeah i so hated the entire of, experience yeah. of him getting his comeuppance so it kind of defeats the fucking purpose for me yeah and at no point was i rooting for the killer that's like, the thing saying, with these with these holiday uh uh premise movies is that i think they feel like they have to come to some sort of like thesis or conclusion you know like this one was like mm, april fool's day why don't we use it as a vehicle to say that online trolls are bad and we should like you know just like have a, a slasher movie essentially where a troll gets trolled and like yeah it sounds great on paper but then you sit and write that and especially with the parameters that we think they're getting for these and it's like yeah yeah of course this movie sucks the premise was it just feels forced a, a internet troll gets trolled and and make the make it murder you know it's like okay yeah. and also what was that one before the treehouse one about like me let's too. teach that these was the sexual harassers yeah. a a lesson like Yes, we're not but, witches or we're not bitches. We're witches. That's a uh, line from that one. I'm trying to think. I'm like, I have to go, but, but like, I think it seems like the last few have all been. We open on a character. We hate this character, and they're gonna get their comeuppance. But the people who are giving them comeuppance, we hate too. Like, why? Why not do one where we actually like, just a straightforward? Hey, we like this person. We want to see them survive this. Right. Yeah. It's bad, guys. These are gotten. I, I made. I think I made this joke in our Facebook group, or I made this joke on Instagram. But like, the the scariest thing about these now is like, when I find out a new one came out, I'm like, oh no, I gotta watch that tonight. Yeah, like, I gotta set aside the longest 80 minutes of my day for that. Yeah, I'm I'm dreading watching them. Like the the series as a whole is doing a great job of making me fearing them. Yeah, so, so I guess it works. So that thing, it's very meta. That's the yeah. meta horror. You have to watch at them. The, ah. That's so funny. At the end, Blum's gonna be like, oh, actually, the series was to torture people who have to review these movies for a living. Yeah. Good, hey, it worked. Good God. Um, all, right, all right. Let's go to the main event, which will just be yep. us talking about the first two episodes of The Twilight Zone. Um, yes. Did you watch them both? I've not watched them both. God damn it. I watched it. the first one. I can't, I can't find it. Where's the second one? Is it on, is on, it on CBS YouTube? All Access, you punk. I don't want to. I, I got to download the app. It's just too much work. I'll do it eventually. All right. So let's talk about the comedian then. So you watched the okay. comedian. You well, didn't, hang on, you hang didn't on, like hang on, hang on. Back up, back up, back up, back up. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jordan Peele is helming The Twilight Zone, rebooting it. Originally, Rod Sterling, the arguably one of the most famous TV shows, iconic, one of my favorites. Um, Jordan Peele's bringing it back. He's hosting it just like Rod Sterling. He's the guy who's all like, picture this, if you will, blah, 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 The Twilight Zone. Um, he's doing it for CBS All Access and an app and a channel none of us have. I watched the first one on, <laughs> on YouTube, it's for free. And the first one is, and by the way, leading into this, we're all very excited because Jordan Peele is literally on fire. Not literally on fire, but figuratively on fire. He's literally on fire. He's literally, I'm looking at him, did someone just lit him on fire? That's weird. Obviously, to get out, cultural phenomenon, uh, followed it up with uh, this year's Us, which we absolutely adored. Definitely, arguably already the best uh, horror movie of the year. Really great. 
and him doing this is like perfect. He's like he's got it dialed in with understanding genre, understanding horror, understanding story and pacing, and also understanding putting in a little bit of um, a parable or a story in there. The best Twilight Zone episodes are famous for having an ironic ending that could really makes you think, you know. Uh, so it seemed like a home run, and I've seen the first one, and I'm gonna say, eh. Yeah, the, the uh, first one. I think a lot of people have a eh response to the comedian. Uh, the com- the first one, yeah, stars Kumail Nanjiani as a uh, get this a stand up comic. In his in a not comedy role, I don't know if he's done any other dramatic roles, but this was the first time we've seen him straight drama. Yeah, and uh, the the. It's like a Faustian bargain type of Twilight yes. Zone, where yep. I believe that I, I think it's Tracy Morgan Sir. is is um is a comedian of, of playing a famous comedian a famous comedian in the show, and Kumail's young open mic comic character who kind of sucks and is doing very political hacky comedy and mm-hmm. not being himself up there or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. He meets uh, uh Tr- Tracy Morgan and Tracy Morgan gives him advice, um. And I forget what the advice was. Was it just to be yourself on stage or pick? Uh... I think it was. I think it was something like if you if you want to be big, you got to talk about yourself, and then you know make it more about you. And then he said, "So I don't know how they got to it." Which but is like honestly advice. good comedy yeah. advice. Which is good. Yes. Um, well, right. Sorry. Yeah. Well, let's get the plot real quick. Um, uh, so then he just says like, but sometimes like, will you do? It? But he also was like, once you open your real life to the audience is no longer yours. And what it feels like he's saying is once you go public about what your life is like, then, you know, it's, it's the people's because it's like the art you give them. And then like they, which is true. Like when you put something out into the world, it's no longer yours. You can, you can hold your movie idea, your show idea, your music idea forever. But the second you put it out, it's like, it's up to people. They're going to interpret whatever it is or take whatever. So, but he emphasized like it's no longer yours. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. He's like, you, what do you, do you want it? Like, whatever you want, like you can have it. You'll have everything you ever wanted. And that's he's like, yeah, I want it. I'll do it. And they cheers drinks. And then the first night he goes out there and he's bombing and he just kind of goes on a detour talking about his dog and how much of his dog is a pain in the ass and everyone's dying like it kills. And and also we'll note like he's not kind of telling jokes. He's just like, oh, my dog is such such an idiot. And, like people just start, like fucking hysterically laughing. So you see him almost being like, holy shit, this is too easy. Goes home, tells us. Um, girlfriend who's asleep how great it went and he's asking like hey where's our dog and she's like what the fuck are you talking about we don't have a dog and then it's revealed that whoever he talks about on stage connected to his life has to be connected to his life he learns whatever he talks about him just being like this person's an idiot or they're a psycho they don't know what the fuck they're what they're doing it kills and then he steps up stage to realize not only are they gone but like they never existed it's not like they disappear just like so he's talking, you know, shit he's about people. Quite literally, canceling everyone in his life that he doesn't yeah. want around. Yeah. So of course he can't. So he even try. I don't know if he does, but for example, he gets up and he's like, "Oh, I hate this president." And everyone's just like looking at him, like, "Okay." And he realizes, like, "Oh, it has to be someone I, I know that's like in my real life." Uh, and then you know, the, he becomes more and more famous, and that makes him into kind of a douchebag. And his relationship with his girlfriend gets worse and worse and worse. And we won't spoil it. There, here's the thing I had with this episode. There's so many good things in it. Yes. But just, it just didn't it's, deliver for me. Yes. It, it could have been a lot shorter. Yes. That Okay. That's my one note yeah. from this thing was that, fuck, if, if we're going to, we're in for a lot of trouble if every episode is this long and convoluted. Thankfully, mm-hmm. each episode varies. The second okay. episode uh, with Adam Scott, The Nightmare at 30,000 Feet, the remake of Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, um, mm-hmm. is 30 something minutes. 
and it, it works way better in my opinion. Right. I agree with you. The peel up uh, this episode, the comedian. I love the premise a lot, and I think mm-hmm. it's so fun that like. And I hate things about comedy. I, I know, hate me too. Anything about comedy. And I knew you would. I knew you would say that, and I'm glad you were also into the idea of it uh, yeah. overall because the idea of like, first of all, the comic uh, giving themselves away on stage, um, mm-hmm. and like, and that is no longer yours. Yes, that is interesting, and no one else is interesting. The idea of the comic being God and thinking they're fucking God and thinking that mm-hmm. everything they say literally changes the world like i love the implications of this one and like i'm gonna go ahead and say i like this episode okay and like i'm I'm, basically it just made me excited for more of the show but Mm. it is definitely a mixed bag because it just like this it it it's the the pace of this one really drags it makes itself way more complicated than it needs to be Mm -hmm. um and it would have just been easy simpler i I don't know i don't have i don't want to i don't have a rewrite here ready for it but like <laughs> i'm just saying like it could have it could have been long. so much more impactful if it was just like i don't know 30 40 minutes and it and it didn't go off on all these like loose tangents you know yeah i agree it could have been tighter uh I, w- I guess i was a little i was like oh no this is the first one but hey there's there's always reasons of why ones are the first ones i'm sure and if you, you know what CBS technically, thing, it's all there, right? te- yes te- technically the first one is the adam scott one and uh, i think this one was just the one they gave out for free for everybody all right um, I will say this. Yeah. What I what was amazing. I mean, the Twilight Zone, the original, is landmark for hundreds of reasons. It's like one of the. It's, it's such an important TV show in in shaping how television is made and what television can do. One thing that's amazing about the Twilight Zone, especially if you watch like the first season, the show was masterful in in telling these compelling stories with like one set. Or sometimes two sets. Right. When the show got more popular and they got more money, it, it was fine. But like you watch some of those classic ones, so many take place in like a, just a bus station. Like it's almost like almost like plays because they, they had no money. One of the one of the famous things about the Twilight Zone is Rod Sterling wanted to do the show and he didn't want any notes. He was just like, "Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get my writing team. Every writer gets an episode, and it's theirs. And of course, whatever whoever's paying for it was like, no, we you know." whatever well if you can do that we're not giving you any money so then everyone had to figure out how to make these really compelling stories for literally no money and you watch them they almost like play out like plays you know yeah uh one act plays which is, is and you watch you like holy shit this is so good considering like how limited it was you know i noticed in this uh, this first episode with with kumail it was just like pretty much the comedy club and then his apartment it yeah. was like two so, so i'm interested to see if because whatever CBS is paying for this, it's not. It's way more than whatever the original Twilight Zone costs. I'm wondering if Jordan Peele is going to purposely limit the creators of this show to be like, I right, whatever whatever we're writing, whether he, he has writers that he's writing it to be like this only takes place in two locations, or this can only be in one store, or whatever. I mean, the flight, the one you talked about, like just takes place on an airplane, right? Yes, just on an airplane for the most part. Yeah. So there, I mean, right there, it's like. I'm I'm wondering if he's going to make those choices creatively, even though I'm sure he could afford to do a lot more to be like the Twilight Zone was very minimal in its sets and also in its special effects. And will this be the same thing? Because that'll be great. I would really like to see what I did really like about this. Like, yeah, there's no monster. There's no horrible death or anything. It's just like he no. gets on stage, talks about someone, walks off. And I like those stories were just like. It's all in the acting. It's, it's all like people true. being like, "Who? And, I've never heard of this person." Yeah, and you know what? The what I, I mean, with all of its flaws, I, we we said it's flawed, but 
it does. This is an episode of the Twilight Zone, you know? Like, that's mm-hmm. what I felt when I was watching it. I'm like, it's definitely true to the spirit of the show, but it's not, like, yeah. uh, like suffocating under it. Mm-hmm. And, like, it has yeah. references to the show in it. Um, and it's it's just, like, as a, you know, if you're just looking to say, is, is rebooting the Twilight Zone a good idea in 2019? This isn't, like, a bad example of... Like, it, mm-hmm. this, this makes me excited for more. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely not going to be big action pieces. It's always going to be... You know, and that's what the show always was. I mean, Twilight what's, what's, Zone, what's yeah. the term I'm looking for? Uh, fish, fish out of water is what we would call that. And like, in like, and right. writing exercises, they're like, you're the same, everything's different, sort of thing. And like, and seeing people like the fallout from that when you awaken or you're in this new place where you're just like, where everyone is right. convinced you're crazy, but you're like, I'm definitely not. And yeah, so. as you said, Rod Serling very purposefully made the Twilight Zone to tell stories that he couldn't tell through traditional narratives. So like each the any like any of like the idiots online who are like, "Oh, the the new Twilight Zone is so political and like so uh, so concerned with society." It's like oh, you're an idiot always, because it always that's exactly that's what literally it what it was and Rod Sterling invented it so he could have a vehicle to talk about that stuff in a subtle way without yeah. just saying it outright. So like in terms of that, this show is already going to be uh i think it's already gonna re- it's, it's resonating very well and it will continue to and uh my understanding is critics got four or five of these and everyone says the comedian you know it's a kind of a bad start but they get they all they do get better um right. and i re- and uh, i mean that being said I, I, as i said mo I, i'm like two-thirds extremely with this this episode i think it's a great idea i think it's almost a great almost great execution and instead it's just mm-hmm. like kind of okay it's just like confused execution they went they went they, they tried to do too much when yeah. it, it could uh, it yeah. would have been better if simpler and a little shorter um and i'll talk a little bit about the second one if you want yeah please before you watch it um so i'm familiar i've seen the so, i've seen the william shatner one and i've seen the um what was the one there's a there's a more updated one yeah, i forget so, who's in the updated one i don't know who's in it but it's directed by mad max as george miller for the twilight zone <laughs> movie <laughs> it was for the movie yes yes, yes yes and then the original was directed by a just starting out richard donner um wow and, really yeah Oh, I didn't know that. That's so, that's amazing. I actually ended up watching that one too right after because I was so interested. But uh, why don't you tell us what that one's about? The twenty thousand. So, yeah, the, the both the twenty thousand. Well, the the two, the the one in the, the yes. movie and then also the original one. Similar, a guy's on an airplane, terrified of flying. You know, gripping the seat, pouring buckets of sweat. Not a good flyer. Sitting by the wing, and he looks out and he sees something. What appears to be like. I don't know, a gremlin or a man or whatever, like on the wing. And he's just like, what the fuck? And he tells someone, he's like, look at the wing. And the person next to him looks, there's nothing there. And then from then on, his anxiety keeps rising. Every time he looks, this creature is on there and looking at him and hanging on and, you know, fucking with the wing and fucking with the engine. And he just keeps telling people, like, there's something on the fucking plane. It's going to destroy you. And there's never anything there. He keeps amping up and amping up and amping up until they have to, like, pretty much subdue him because he's fucking freaking out. And they're like, oh, this guy's nuts. And then in the mo- in the, in the, um, in this story, he, like, is able to open up the, the plane door mid flight and, like, throw something at it, like a, like a flare or something at it. To, like, sk- like you see it, and, like, it like flies off the wing or whatever, and he gets it off, and they emergency land the plane, and, and every- everyone's just like, you're a fucking maniac. What's-? They don't say fucking, but, like, right. are convinced some crazy guy was, like, trying to jump out of the plane while he was up in the air because he'd been complaining about how much he hates flying. <clears throat> and then the reveal is at the end when the plane lands and people are standing by it, the wing is, in fact, complete, and the engine's, like, completely ripped up. And they were like, oh, my God, like, this thing was, like, a couple wires away from 
from shorting out and the plane would have crashed. Oh, wow. Um, So the new one is a remake, I would say, in spirit only, like that same general idea of like a guy on a plane. Well, good. Um, I would suck if they just remade it. I don't want to ruin it for you, but uh, uh, Adam Scott is the lead guy, gets on a plane, finds a like a mp3 player in the pouch of where mm-hmm. of his seat and he puts it on and it's one of those like true or tr- like true crimey podcasts about sure. the disappearance of a plane and it's the plane that he's on oh my fucking god i love that dude it's really cool i really All like right, i'll it. watch that it's uh I, I guess i won't talk about it anymore until you've seen it but Let me um, see if it's on YouTube. is it on youtube no just fucking do the free trial for the week and no, because I'll give my credit card and I'll forget. Yeah, but it's six bucks for me. the commercial one. There's ten dollars for the not commercial one. And if you do the free trial this week, you can do it. If you do, do you have a Fire Stick, Amazon? No. Oh well, my Fire Stick. I was able to do the trial and then immediately cancel it, but still use it for the week, so it doesn't renew it for me. But I'm just uh, being if you were to you. do it today, you would get the new one, or you'd get the one that one to watch now and the new one on Friday. So fucking do it now. Um, All right. But yeah, that's the premise, and I don't want to say what goes down, but it kind of is the same deal where like you know he keeps listening and like things will happen, and he's like, oh my god, I'm gonna go listen to see what's gonna happen next, and then he's trying to basically him in pursuit of trying to stop whatever's gonna happen, maybe mm-hmm. makes it happen, and it's ah. uh, it's it was great. I think it's a better episode than the comedian, if only because it's half an hour <laughs> instead of <laughs> literally the comedian's almost a full hour. It's like fifty five. Yeah, it's way too. It's long. like way too long. Um, so. Yeah, the second uh, nightmare at thirty thousand feet is a really good ep- a really good Twilight Zone episode. I thought uh, very excited for this series, and I hope you guys all uh, give CBS all access your money because uh, I want more of this Twilight Zone. All right, all CBS right. all access, fine. All right, and uh, that's it for this week. Next week, I feel like there's a big movie coming out that I don't remember that we're supposed to talk is about. There? I think I texted Uh-oh. you whatever it was. Um, what else? I'm looking at IMDb. Do you have anything to say before we go? Oh yeah, next week is the Curse of La Llorona. Uh, yeah. Do I want to see that or no? Um, it's supposed to be bad. I will report back to you on, I guess, next Thursday. Okay. Okay. All right, bud. Talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for listening to the New Flesh Podcast, and uh, do the Patreons plug now. Uh, no, I forgot. We'll just do it next week. <laughs> okay. Don't subscribe to our Patreon this week. We're closed. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Subscribe to our Patreon, please, if you like the show and want to support it. We give a shout out every episode. I forgot to do it this oh, one, so yeah. we'll give a I shout just, out. I just meant, yeah, I just meant, please, please, please pay for our shit. All Yo, right. Yo, give us something on the Patreon. All right, bye. Hoping you'd be back.